Welcome to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Giving you an exclusive look into Grand Canyon University Athletics with news, special guests, memorable flashbacks, and more. It's the Lopes Insider Podcast. On this episode, we turn the clock back to the 1980s and talk with former Grand Canyon Basketball National Championship coach Paul Westfall. And a visit with the Beach Volleyball All-American and National Team player Molly Turner is also on tap. Catching you up on the latest news around GCU Athletics and bringing you insightful guests. It's Episode 8 of the Lopes Insider Podcast. Alongside Paul Coro, I'm Barry Butel. We'd like to welcome you to episode number eight of the Lopes Insider Podcast. And Paul, uh, always great to check in with you. And I don't know about you, but it's been about three months without sports and any glimpse of athletic activity. (laughs) Definitely gets me excited for the year. There's Korean baseball. I know Potter's really uh, in tune with that. And but I'm definitely excited to see some of our uh, basketball players and student athletes uh, settling into their new homes on the campus. Really good to see uh, coaches yeah. as well. And most of the men's and women's basketball players have arrived or, or will be very soon. They're very limited as far as basketball related activities. NCA has uh, pushed back uh, a July 20th start date, but it's good to see the newcomers that we've already started to go got to know over this uh, stretch with our digital uh, Meet the Newcomer series over the past month. Uh, now get on campus and start spending some time together. No doubt about it. We may not be playing uh, baseball yet this summer and Major League Baseball still going back and forth, uh, but it was uh, baseball dominating the headlines in GCU athletics this week. Let's jump right into our news and notes. <laughs> Well, Paul, after the uh, draft selection of Cade Meckles, we touched on last week, Drew Smith and Cuba Bess both signing as undrafted free agents this past week. Right. Any other year, these guys are draft picks, but COVID-19 and the baseball economic status uh, shortened the draft from 40 rounds to five. So Drew Smith signed with Milwaukee. Uh, He's a guy that we got to know really quickly because he lived up to his Juco Player of the Year status. Uh, right away, hitting 315 and being one of the top offensive players and extremely reliable uh, defensively at second base. And then sometimes next to him was Cuba Best at first base, although he's battled some injuries the past couple of years uh, during his best couple of seasons. He signed with the Boston Red Sox, and uh, that's where Chad DeLaguerre actually is, a mm-hmm. former low player. Uh, and he would have been in the big league spring training camp this year, AAA last year. But Cuba Best spent four years at GCU. Uh, and had his best couple years the last couple years. He hit 346 over those two seasons and established himself as a left-handed power hitter when he had 11 home runs last year. Yeah, Drew Smith, it was an abbreviated season, but that opener against uh, Oklahoma State, what do you have, like six RBIs? He had that long home run over the left field wall. I mean, he made his presence known right out of the gate this past season. Yeah, that was a special night. His whole family had come in and friends uh, from back home in Nebraska and we had a full house at GCU ballpark and he showed he was he was ready for the big lights at that time. So uh, we know he'll succeed at the next level, too. Well, it was an otherwise light week in the uh, news department uh, outside of baseball. But as always, stay up to date on the latest Lopes news on GCLopes.com and the GCU Lopes app. Well, it's trivia time where you're delighted to be joined by the winningest GCU men's basketball head coach in terms of winning percentage later on in the podcast. But which head coach accumulated the most total victories? I do know that this individual has a hundred win edge on the rest of the field. 
And I also know he was at GCU Arena this past basketball season. Mm -hmm. So does that help you? I mean, I know you have got that perch high above GCU Arena to spot everything. (laughs) I believe I do know. I believe he was honored at center court with the rest of some other honorees on a very special night at GCU Arena. But we'll have that little bit later on at the end of the show. But time now to hear from our guests. Once cut from her high school volleyball team and coming to GCU as a walk-on, Molly Turner blossomed into a beach volleyball star for the Lopes. In a career that witnessed a stadium construction and an emergence of GCU as a mainstay in the national rankings, Turner grew alongside the budding program. Leaving GCU as an All-American, Turner is now an AVP Tour Pro player, and she caught up with Paul Coro on the Lopes Insider Podcast. We get the chance now to talk to one of our favorite GCU alumni, Molly Turner, who made an amazing trek from being cut from her high school's volleyball team in Illinois to joining Lopes Beach Volleyball as a walk-on to becoming an All-American and an AVP Tour pro player. It's been a lot of fun for GCU people to watch Molly chase her dream. What's it been like for you to realize them, Molly? Oh, man. Um, I honestly, everyone keeps asking, like, what is my favorite part about the transition? But I think, you know, looking back at it, it all obviously began at GCU. I just feel really humbled about it because, I mean, you said all the things that it took to get to where I am and think that I really can't be more happy about how it, you know, got laid out. So I'm just really humbled and really, really happy. (laughs) As we all are. Well, if you read it back... Beach volleyball in Naperville, Illinois, aren't exactly synonymous. So, but like a lot of beach players, you started an indoor and you loved it as a little girl and played with your big sister, but then you got crushed in that moment in high school when you got cut. How did your journey not end right there? Um, you know, it, it almost did. Um, I went home and was completely distraught, talked to my parents. They let me be upset for a day. And then after that, we decided, you know, let's move on with this and see what the opportunities are outside of it. Um, you know, I didn't ever think beach volleyball was an opportunity, but, um, one of our local clubs in Naperville, Illinois was offering both indoor and, um, beach volleyball and they had indoor beach volleyball courts as well. So, you know, I, tried it out. I absolutely hated it. And after about two weeks, I, my body adjusted to the sand and, you know, the cardio aspect, my lungs got a lot tougher. So I ended up loving it. So that's kind of how I started it up. You make the switch to indoor with club teams, most of which is indoor still in Illinois. Yeah. So how does an unrecruited 5'8 player find her way to a division one program? That was such a funny story because uh, one of my friends was actually going to GCU to play rugby and he went on a visit and was like, you need to check out this school. Cause I was applying to all these big schools and wasn't getting any responses, which was pretty expected, but I kind of just wanted to see what I could do. Um, you know, I checked it out, saw that they had an actual team at the time, which was ABCA instead of NCAA and um, reached out to the coach. Um, they said they don't have any spots, but obviously I kept trying. I offered to be a manager, which is hilarious, but they're like, let's see what you can do. So I ended up going to GCU solely because of school at the time and um, had to come with the realization that I could potentially not be on the team. So I took a risk and I was thankfully rewarded. 
So I was able to walk on to the team. I'm trying to picture you as a manager. What? I mean, you'd be a heck of a manager, but quite the waste of talent on, on that. <laughs> you, you arrived yeah. at a time when uh, Kristen Rohr, head coach, was was coaching with her husband, Joe, who tragically passed away three years ago. And that was really special for you to have both of them. And you said you see lots of Joe still in Kristen, right? Oh, absolutely. Even to this day as her as she's not my coach per se, but even when we talk, um, I mean, her advice is like spot on. Yeah. And we know the roars and your dedication made you one of the best players and raised the level of the program. But in going pro, you almost had to start that journey over again. Was it kind of like being that unrecruited walk on again when you're scrapping to qualify in pro events? Oh, absolutely. Because I mean, it's all about points when you're a professional athlete in the AVP. Um, even internationally, it's always about points. It's frustrating because you come out of college, you probably played in a few, which I did. So your points are a little bit low. They're not terrible. So you're just groveling in this uh, qualifier that it's a one and done. If you lose, you're completely done. Um, if you win, you keep going. And it's an all day thing. You could end up playing four very intense matches. And if you are fortunate enough to find yourself um, making it into the next day, you're exhausted. So it was really hard on the body. It was really hard uh, mentally and emotionally because, you know, you get to that final game and sometimes you just don't pull it out. So you find yourself, you know, sitting in your apartment that night after you lose and you're like, is this even worth it anymore? It's like, there's no coach, there's no team, there's not a bunch of girls behind you. Uh, hyping you up anymore. It's pretty much you and yourself. So that's the hardest part, but it's also, you know, it's, it's a mature aspect of it. So I, I enjoyed it. It's been tough, but um, you know, since the beginning, I've found myself in a good spot. So I'm really, really happy about that. That just sounds so emotionally, mentally, physically draining to go through those, but you wound up with four top 10 finishes. You got fifth at Seattle. Yeah. How do you, how do you grind through that, that next day when at that point you're playing a higher level of competition than what you survived? Yeah, it's cool. I always come in. um, My favorite motto is beware the underdog. And even if my name is well known now, I still feel like I am um, trying to prove myself. Um, so the second day when we get into the actual tournament, the main draw after a really, really mentally exhausting day, um, it's almost fun now. You're live streamed, you won money, um, you're in front of fans, and that's where I thrive. Um, I'm the youngest child in my family, so I love to show off. <laughs> and I think in front of fans, I just love to... Um, have like I just build off of the energy that's around me so that's a really fun part about it so even though you're exhausted you're running off of your adrenaline and that's probably that's that's what I miss most right now is playing in front of people and being able to um, run off the vibes that you're feeling from the crowd it was such a a bold move for you even to go into this and I remember you moving into LA and you're just finding a place to live and just to try to get by and work inside jobs that that same determination that you had at GCU seemed to come out, but have you even surprised yourself with what you've accomplished already? Yeah, I, I definitely have. I, uh, you know, as it's happening, I expect it to happen because my standards for myself are so high. Sometimes I don't feel like I meet the goals that I want because again, they're so high, but, um, I mean, I'm somehow was able to find a full-time job and also play full-time. So it's like, 
somehow everything completely fell into place. And I think that's what I'm shocked by is how um, when you're, you know, doing what you love, everything clicks. And I truly feel like this is what I'm supposed to do because everything just fell into place. Feels easy um, behind the scenes. Um, Obviously, the playing, um, all that stuff is draining, but it's completely worth it because I look at everything that fell into place and I'm like, how else would this be possible without that? So it's uh, it's a good feeling. Does it make you ever just miss college life? (laughs) Those days in the off season where you're just going to get something to lunch at the student union? (laughs) Honestly, so I actually, I've talked to a lot of girls that have just graduated college and I'm like, you know what? Or they're about to. And I'm like, you have to go to the like training room at GCU or any college, like more than you possibly like want to, because I took that for granted and I miss having like a personal masseuse and like someone stretching me out and like an an ice bath. I miss that stuff because you have to pay for it now. And if like you don't pay for it, you have a sponsor, but still it's like, I took so much for granted in college and looking back, I'm like, dang, I miss having a team as well. It's just those aspects you don't get anywhere else. And as much as I'm really happy that obviously I'm out of college and, you know, doing things on my own, I miss that a lot. And I miss having, you know, Kristen as my coach and seeing her every day. So it's a bittersweet situation for sure. I totally adhere to the idea that everybody should have their personal masseuse. That's 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 something we all could use. If I could afford that. Oh my gosh, I would have them travel with me. They would like live next door. It would be what I would do. <laughs> you must uh, also be so proud to look and see the state of the beach volleyball program now. Like this season, they were in the top 10, having huge wins against top programs, probably, you know, had a great chance of making a run to the NCAs if the season had been, hadn't been cut short. Oh, yeah. I know some of the girls on the team. Obviously, I graduated a couple years ago, so the team is starting to filter in new girls that I don't know. But uh, I think I'm most happy for the girls I know and our coaching staff. I mean, we have that program has groveled. Um, we're always looked at as a small program, um, a small school. And this year, they completely, completely like shut that down. They're like, no more. This is who we are. Watch out. Be scared of us because we're going to upset you. And it's really cool to see that although they're top, I think they're like top seven, that they're still viewed as underdogs. So when they win, that feeling is so special. And I see the videos of them rushing the court. And like those moments are moments I will never forget from my college days because that feeling of rushing the court when someone clinched that win for us like it's really hard to compare to that. So watching them experience that and seeing Kristen so happy, that probably warms my heart more than anything because she works so hard and she's wanted this so bad and to see it work out, it's special. And and your impact's really direct too, because Bella Bauman, who's turned into one of the best players and is now in the national team program with Tegan DeFalco, she was from your same club in Illinois. That must oh, be yeah. amazing. Yeah, Bella like started when I was about to leave the club, so I didn't know her that well, but it was it was crazy to see her as like, I don't know, I think it was like a 15-year-old, maybe 14-year-old starting and she was just like this lanky little girl and I'm like, wow, she's 
she's going to be tall. And then seeing her commit to GCU, I was like, wow, like Illinois girls represent. This is so cool. And now watching her from afar, I mean, she's gained so much confidence and consistency and she's like leading the team now. And it's so different from who she was as a freshman. I mean, she was quiet. She was trying to figure herself out who she wanted to be on the court. But now watching her, it's like night and day and it's it like gives me goosebumps. So I'm super obviously proud of everyone, but mostly her. Well, thank goodness Kristen answered all those frustrated, persistent emails five years ago. <laughs> look, at, look at you now. Look at where you've helped put the program. Uh, we look forward to the AVP starting up again soon so we can cheer you on from afar. And we thank you for joining us on the Lopes Insider podcast, Molly. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. The Call of the Week, presented by Copper State Credit Union, committed to you. The site, Kemper Arena in Kansas City. The year, 1988. The opponent, Auburn Montgomery. Grand Canyon was in the NAIA title game, coached by our next guest. Look at this guy. He used to get some good shots in his day, too, Mr. Westfall. The two teams played to an 82-82 tie through regulation. And we're headed to overtime. What a way to go for a national championship, an overtime game. Knotted at 86 with under a minute to play, it was 5'7 guard Craig Johnson making an unbelievable defensive play to break up a Warhawk fast break. By Bobby Harris. What a vertical jump by Craig Johnson. Senior Rodney Johns, a Phoenix native, was the hero. Ten seconds remaining. I'd say getting in his hands, either going to win or lose it with number 32, the All-American. Putin he- is on him. Johns, oh, It's only two seconds left. Auburn Montgomery gets the timeout. Rodney with an encore. Left with just two seconds on the clock, Auburn Montgomery was unable to counter. It's over. It's over, baby. It's celebration time. National Championship. Are they happy? The Antelopes win it all. 1975-78 under Coach Lindsey. And now 1988, Paul Westfall. There's the look of the winner of the NAIA Championship. That was the call of the week presented by Copper State Credit Union. Committed to you. The federal tax filing deadline has been extended to July 15th, so you still have plenty of time to begin filing your taxes. Grand Canyon University wants to help you avoid the stress that filing taxes can bring. This year, GCU is partnering with Easy 1040, an online service that allows you to have your taxes filed by a licensed professional at the same price as filing on your own. Starting as low as $40, Easy 1040 is one of the fastest, easiest, and most convenient ways to securely file a tax return online. Now, you can take advantage of an additional 20% off when you enter the promo code GCU20. Easy 1040 has you answer 10 questions about your taxes and does the rest for you. Visit easy1040.com to start filing today. Paul Westfall's ties to the Valley are most noted as an all-star player and a head coach for the Phoenix Suns. But Westfall's basketball journey also took him to the campus of Grand Canyon College 
where his two-year career as Lopes head coach netted him 63 wins and 18 losses, the program's highest winning percentage, and a 1988 NAIA National Championship. Michael Potter is joined by the Basketball Hall of Famer on the Lopes Insider Podcast. Well, hey, Coach Westfall, thanks so much for being a guest with us here on the Lopes Insider Podcast. We really appreciate your time. Oh, my pleasure. It's always fun to talk Lopes basketball. Well, Coach, you know, um, a lot of folks obviously in the Phoenix area know you as a great Phoenix son, now a member of the Basketball Hall of Fame. You started off, though, I mean, professional career with the Celtics and then were traded to the Suns, you know, right after you guys had won a championship. What what was that like for you? I mean, you're you're playing with arguably... In that day, it was either the, the Celtics or the Lakers seemed like they won the championship, and then you get traded to the Phoenix Suns after winning one. Well, that's life in the NBA. Uh, it's funny, the Celtics hadn't made a trade in 10 years, <laughs> so I didn't see it coming, but uh, it was it was really uh, a monumental event in my life, obviously, to go from what, what was a dynasty to a team that struggled its whole career. But uh, it was a perfect time to come to Phoenix. They drafted Alvin Adams, and he was the rookie of the year that year. They had Dick Van Arsdale, who was one of the better guards in the league. John McLeod was an excellent coach who really knew how to get the most out of put a team together and get the most out of them. And uh, there was a lot of enthusiasm for that team and a lot of belief that we could uh, slay some giants, and we did. It was a fantastic experience. Now, I know uh, Mr. Colangelo was a huge part of that, obviously, and so much so you wanted him to be the guy that introduced you at the Hall of Fame. He was out of the country, couldn't do it. But did you know Jerry Colangelo that well before the trade happened? Not before the trade happened. I, I knew his name, that's all. But uh, he was he, he was the, the, the driving force for the Phoenix Suns from their inception. And he always believed that Phoenix could make it. He, he pretty much picked everybody along the way. And uh, it was it was a brilliant, brilliant piece of foresight and hard work that uh, saw the Phoenix Suns flourish into what they became. And it was, you have to give Jerry the credit. You know, Coach, I was, I was uh, re-listening because I, I watched your Hall of Fame induction. I was re-listening to it. Man, you worked with a lot of great, great folks in the NBA. Were there a couple that really influenced you as a player? And then, then obviously when you became a coach that you kind of went, man, I want to do it that way when I, when I get a chance to coach. <laughs> well, for sure. I, I uh, have been blessed to be around some of the biggest names uh, ever in basketball. I, I don't even know where to start, but uh coming to the NBA to go to the Boston Celtics and learn from Red Auerbach, Tommy Heinsohn, Don Havlicek, Satch Sanders, Don Nelson, all these great people that were a part of what the Celtics were doing. They, they knew how it worked. And if you kept your eyes open, you could learn a lot from just, uh, showing up every day. Well, you you didn't pick up the uh, cigar trick from Red. I mean, that that probably would have been frowned upon in the 90s, though, huh? (laughs) I do have a picture of me holding one of Red cigars. uh, (laughs) (laughs) But but I never lit up on the bench like he did. I think only one guy could get away with that. Coach, did you you always uh, think when your playing career ended, you would be a coach? That was always my goal. I, I, I always wanted to stay in basketball and uh, I just love the game. I love being able to be a part of it. And uh, when you can't play anymore, the next step is coaching. And, and I kept my eyes open and, and, and wanted that to happen for sure. You know, a lot of people, you know, at the time was a bit of a head scratcher, maybe. I mean, you, you, you're retired from the NBA and you go to Southwestern Baptist Bible College. And how did that transpire? And why did you pick to go there? <laughs> when I retired, 
from playing, I wanted to go into coaching and I started uh, sending out resumes and calling people I knew and crickets. <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Uh, the, the best answer you could get was, well, you don't have any experience. I go, well, I played for 12 years in the NBA for some of the greatest people. I learned from all of them. I, what do you mean I don't have experience? Well, you don't have coaching experience. <laughs> and so there, there was nothing. And so uh, Cindy and I actually prayed, you know, Lord, if you want me to coach, you got to find me a job. I'll take the first job that I get offered if that's what I'm supposed to be doing. If not, I'll have to go get a real job. <laughs> and so shortly after that, I got a call from someone who I'd never met before, but we had a mutual friend. And, and he said, I got your number from Paul Pertzer, who was our mutual friend. And, and he says, you're interested in coaching. I want to offer you my coaching job. I said, what are you talking about? <laughs> he says, I, I'm not going to tell you over the phone. You have to meet with me for lunch and we'll talk about it. I go, okay. So I went and met this guy, Keith Province, for lunch at El Charo Lodge in Scott uh, in Paris yeah. Valley. He said, yeah, I want to offer you my coaching job. I go, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm the coach at Southwestern Conservative Baptist Bible College. I said, I never heard of it. Where is it? <laughs> he said, it's over there on 26th and Cactus, which wasn't that far from where I lived. I'd actually driven by the place, but I'd never noticed it. And he said, yeah, I, uh, I'm the coach there, and the president won't let me quit unless I get somebody to take my place. And since it doesn't pay, I thought since you'd been in the NBA for 12 years, maybe you could afford to take this job that doesn't pay anything so I could quit and go earn a living. I want to offer you my coaching job. That's <laughs> that amazing. Yeah. And so I found out the school had about 250 students, and half of them were, were women, so they didn't have a big pool to draw from for mm -hmm. their team. But uh, that was it. It was a non-paying coaching job. And Cindy and I kind of looked up and to the sky and said, really? Did I have to take one that doesn't pay? Is that a job? <laughs> and so, but we took it. We took it. And uh, it, was, it was one of the best years I ever had. And well, uh, that led to getting the Grand Canyon job after, after uh, one season at Southwestern. Well, what did your friends and family and, and, and old NBA cohorts think when you told them, yeah, I'm going to be the head coach for no pay at Southwestern Baptist Bible College? Well, my accountant laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, so it, it, was, it was definitely thinking outside the box. But uh, we just felt that, that uh, if that's the job I'm supposed to have, I'll take it. And... My advice to people who want to get into coaching, they go, how do you do it? I go, I don't know. If you get a job, you do the best you can in that in that position. Don't be looking for the next job. Just do the best you can where you are. And if it's meant to be, you'll move up. And if it's not, you'll have the satisfaction of having done the best job you can do. And, and that's what you're supposed to be doing. And, and that's that was my story. Well, the move up was to Grand Canyon College, which at the time – very different from Grand Canyon University today. So a lot of people might not even have thought that was much of a move up, but it was an AIA. And in two short years, you won a national championship there. That's that's what happened. And uh, NAIA is not, you know, it, it's not a level where you would expect to hop from there to the Phoenix Suns. But that's exactly what happened to me. Uh, the, the, our run to the national championship was as improbable and as, and as exciting as, as any team I've ever been around. And they started televising those games. And, and I think we caught the imagination of a lot of basketball fans in Phoenix. The Suns had been real down for a couple of years then. And, uh, and our team was exciting. And, and uh, we just kind of, 
sort of caught lightning in a bottle. And when we were able to win the national championship on, and they showed it on ESPN, I think it gave a lot of credibility to uh, the fact that uh, that we had something going there. And the next thing I knew, I, I was signed uh, to be an assistant to Cotton Fitzsimmons and with a guarantee that I would take his place when he stepped down to be the head coach of the Suns. And to think that if I didn't take that Southwestern job, that it all led to me being the head coach of the Suns just a few short years later. It's just just an amazing uh, turn of events. You know, Coach, I was lucky enough, fortunate enough to start at Grand Canyon College in 1986. So I got to be a part and see what you did and, you know, pack into Antelope Gymnasium where we were basically on top of the opposing team right there. It was It was such a great time. How did you attract such great athletes and players? In those two years, you had some of the phenomenal athletes from all over the country. It is amazing. And I don't take a lot of credit for that. I, John Shoemate was the coach before I was there. And he left a lot of really good players in the program and I had assistant coaches that were very aggressive in in understanding what could be done at a school like Grand Canyon. The, the rules for recruiting were different. You had to get players who maybe were bouncing back from uh, a four-year from a Division One program where things hadn't worked out for them, but they had talent and they might be eligible at Grand Canyon because of the NAIA rules, and they wouldn't be eligible to transfer to a, a NCAA school. My guys knew the rules and knew how to paint a picture for possible success. And we did have a lot of talent on that team. Most of them were transfers. You know, Coach, uh, I do remember in that last year there on that run, there were a couple of guys who had played a huge part in in the regular season that that uh, made some mistakes, weren't able to be a part of that team moving forward into the tournament. Uh, and two of your best players, how were you able to kind of uh, galvanize the team after those losses? And a couple of guys who hadn't played near as much jumped right in and had, you know, a career five, six, seven games. It just goes to show you that, that when you do things right as a player, meaning you sacrifice for the team and, and stay ready, that, that when your chance comes, uh, amazing things can happen. I mean, that year we had a very talented team and our two best players, uh, I had to kick them off the team with, uh, I think, five games to go in the regular season. And we lost the very first game after I did that because of the shock of what happened. Your two leading scorers, your two best players are gone. And uh, people don't really know what to make of that. But it was an opportunity for these players that hadn't been getting as much chance to play. And they stepped forward. We just became a team. We, we had discipline problems on that team most of the season. But after I dismissed our two best players, we didn't have one issue. I mean, when we were back in Kansas City uh, for the NAIA tournament, we didn't even have bed checks. I mean, we knew the guys were doing things right. They, they, they went home, they, they got their sleep, they got up the next day and they were committed to doing what they needed to do to have the team be successful. And these guys just believed that they could play together and win. And, um, it was an amazing thing to be a part of. I, uh, I tell the story of that team all the time when I've coached teams with discipline problems and said, when you decide you want to do things right, you'll see a difference. And uh, it was it was really a phenomenal thing to be a part of. You know, Coach, myself and my friends were fortunate enough to get back there to Kemp Arena to watch that championship game. And I, I don't know uh, when it was coming down the stretch if I've ever seen a, a more important and a better block of a shot than what Craig Johnson did to save the game and give you a chance to win the championship. 
Oh, wasn't that fun? I mean, Craig was a great athlete. Uh, everybody knows if they remember him, he's Dennis Johnson's uh, younger brother, yeah. little brother. But he had he had fantastic athletic ability, and uh, he he was he was ready when he got his opportunity. He and Rodney Johns were two of the most athletic point guards probably in NAIA history, and uh, they they stepped forward when we needed them. You know, Coach, uh, as you mentioned, we're running out of time here, but um, are you, I mean, you see GCU now, you've been back to the games, the arena, night and day difference. Did you ever envision that for GCU when you came over from Southwestern Baptist Bible and went to Grand Canyon College at the time in that little antelope gymnasium? No, I'm not that kind of visionary. (laughs) (laughs) It's just incredible what what, what Jerry Colangelo and and, – the leadership at GCU, what they've been able to envision and make happen there. It, it's, I, I think people always knew that, that there should be a, uh, a, a small, a place for a, a, a smaller liberal arts college in Arizona, yeah. but nobody could ever make it happen. And they just really filled a great, a great niche. And uh, the, the, the future is very bright there. You know, Coach, um, I know you've retired now, uh, living in Southern California. Um, I mean, do you, do you have desire to get back into coaching? What, what's the future hold for uh, Paul Westfall the next, uh, you know, few years? Well, I actually still live in Arizona. We just oh, okay. uh, try to escape the heat. In the summer. <laughs> Not a bad idea. And, uh, <laughs> I live in North Scottsdale now, and I'm on the board at uh, Arizona Christian University, which is what Southwestern College used to be. They mm-hmm. changed their name and move to this beautiful campus in Glendale. I, I just, I, I spend any time I can trying to help ACU uh, fulfill its vision. And I still have my, my roots with Grand Canyon and with the Suns and, I, I enjoy the success of all all of these places. You know, Coach. Uh, one last question. Um, you know, great playing career, uh, NBA Hall of Famer, uh, fantastic coaching career. Could you always outshoot? Any of your uh, your players like would would they ever challenge you to shooting contests? Oh, I got in a lot of shooting contests with players. Uh, that's one thing that, that that hasn't left me yet. I can make open shots, but uh, <laughs> getting those shots off—that's a different story as you get older. Hey, coach, our time's too short. Thank you so much. Uh, personally, like I told you before the interview, I was a student at GCU from '86 to '90, so I got to. Uh, be a fan as you guys made that run. And it's something I'll remember my entire life. So I thank you so much for that. And I know a ton of Sun fans want to thank you for getting them to their first and their second uh, championships and and finals. And thanks so much for being a guest on uh, the podcast. Well, I just know one thing. It's always about the players. And if you believe in them and give them a chance, and if they're good enough, they'll win. And that team at GCU was good enough. And uh, it was one of the great experiences of my life. And and I've just loved every minute of being involved in basketball, particularly in in Arizona. Hey, thanks so much, Coach. We appreciate it. And look forward to seeing you out at the arena next season. It was fun talking to you. Thank you. Great to hear from Molly Turner and Coach Westfall there. While Coach Westfall accumulated an impressive 63 victories in just two seasons. Wow. Our trivia question was, which Lopes coach accumulated the most total wins in men's basketball program history? It's Ben Lindsay. He's also the longest tenured head coach with 16 seasons leading his alma mater. In the process, he won 317 games. Wow. Paul, that is impressive. Yeah, and just like Westy, he's a NAIA National Championship winning head coach. Lindsay led GCU to not one, but two NAIA titles. 
uh, almost won 70% of his games. He's a, also a GCU alum and Hall of Famer. No doubt about it. It was great to see him this past year at GCU Arena along with that title-winning team. And uh, before we end this episode today, what should we be checking out on GCLopes.com, Paul? You know we're going to pump that Meet the Newcomer series. It's still going. We got, we're got we winding down on the men's side with two more left, Sean Miller Moore. You can read about him and watch a video interview with him and see the social media splashes throughout the week. And we'll continue it uh, with the women's team after after these last two players and get to know some of Molly Miller's additions. Very nice. We'll keep an eye out for GCLopes.com for all the latest news regarding GCU athletics. But that'll do it for episode number eight in the books. Paul, always a pleasure. Have a, a great rest of the week and stay safe. Yes, be well, be safe, everyone. We appreciate you tuning in, and uh, we hope that you'll join us again next week right here on the Lopes Insider Podcast. Thanks for listening to the Lopes Insider Podcast, presented by Commonwealth Insurance, the way insurance should be. Stay tuned for upcoming episodes on your favorite podcast listening platform and at gclopes.com slash podcasts. Lopes up.